eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Can't get enough of the fan in the morning? Shown up. Because this is nothing like that. Working. Alan and Jerry are here with stories they'd never get to cover on the morning show. Very sexy robot. Hey, look at that pig. Shenanigans. Naked yoga. My mother had a bad experience with these ghosts. Let's hump the fence. It's Alan Jerry's post-game podcast. All right, podcast time for you on this glorious Wednesday. No, Al, he's away, as you know. Well, really not away. He's, I would think right now, probably... Staring through his binoculars onto the beach, Bradley Beach. Uh, so joining me is Eddie Scazzeri. What's up, Eddie? Hello, podcast people. I've got a couple of things for you today. Uh, first things first, uh, I need uh, advice and information. I'll go this, there. This is the bird this thing. This is the bird thing. It's a bird, you moron. So I walk into the shed yesterday. Now I have one of these freestanding sheds in the backyard. Um, it's a great shed. It was there when we bought the house. It's probably 35 feet long, and it's a probably... 15, maybe 12 feet wide. It's a lot of storage space. Mm-hmm. Like a house almost, a little house. And it has cement slab? It's got, no, it's wood. Okay. It's wood. So that's where the groundhogs have gone. Ah, yes. By the way, how about this? So when I talked about the groundhog issue on the air and on the podcast, more than one person, probably two or three people, emailed me since my email address is out there for the business. Right. Said mothballs. Has that worked? Yes. So I put mothballs under the shed and under the deck where they were going. They were living under the shed, but they were tunneling by the house under the deck. So I loaded up underneath the shed, and I loaded up underneath the deck. We've seen one groundhog all summer so far and all spring. Hmm. How about that? And and you go by the shed, it still smells like mothballs. And I don't care. It's the back of the yard. I don't yeah. care. And it's not a terrible smell. It's not like something rotting. No, but it ain't great. And they no. And apparently the groundhogs despise the smell yeah so and i also see spaces under the fences have been dug it looks like they have left (laughs) i wonder if that also affects raccoons squirrels other rodents i don't know but i will tell you this summer and spring has been the least amount of activity with the animals that we've had in the last couple years there you go who knew i do think it's working but i don't know i'll let you know when we get through the summer so here's my bird issue so I walk into the shed yesterday after work, and as soon as I opened it, I went to get the uh, the pool chemical kit. I like to test the water. Mm-hmm. I do it every day, make sure the chlorine level is good. And as soon as I opened the door, I heard like a, a little chirping. I'm like, what the hell was that? And then I heard a little rustling. I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, I knew. I've, I got birds in the shed now. Then I look up to the right. The vent 
was cracked open. So I see where they got in. As I'm looking at the vent thing, a bird flies in from the outside with worms in its mouth. Uh Uh-huh. And then stares at me. I take one step and it flies to the other side of the shed with the bird hanging out of its mouth. Like, all right, now I realize I've got a problem. I start pulling stuff out. I come across these two baby birds. Aw. So here's my question for you. A, when they get big enough, they will leave, correct? They will, yes. Once they, what they call fledge, once they learn to fly, okay, they'll leave. Now, both of and they are little. I'll show you a picture, too. I took a little picture of them. They already know how to fly to a certain degree. I don't know how long they could fly for, but here. So I'm going to show you a picture. The two birds, this was after the rain. And what I did was, I got to back up. I taped, when I saw the hole, I taped it up because I got to replace it. Mm -hmm. Then I realized by taping it up, the bird can't get in. Yes. Crap. Now what do I do? So I left the doors wide open, hoping the birds would fly out. None of the three left. Okay. All right. So then the sky was black. I had to hustle everything. I started removing stuff. I had to put everything back in. And I'm like, now what do I do? I left the shed door slightly open for them to which the floor got soaked by the monsoon that we got. But I didn't want them to be trapped in there. After the rain, I ripped the stuff off so they can get in and out. But I'm curious, when you see this, they can both fly a little bit. Now, the top right corner of this photo I'm going to show you is the bottom of cornhole boards to give you an idea of how small these things are. Okay. You take a look at that. Oh, my gosh. And the the mom or dad or whoever was... Is not a big bird either. Like one of those just tiny... Yes. That, that was exactly... So Eddie just showed me like the length between his pointer finger and his yeah. thumb when you spread them apart. That's about the size of the adult bird. Okay. So and, they're little, but they're not going to be big. And I didn't see. I would think that most. I thought most birds do this sort of activity in the spring, early spring, and then by you know June they're already good to go. Unless this species does it a little later, but I don't know. So uh, my here's my question though: What do I do? Well, you just you know you don't want to kill them uh, if you don't have to. And they're not necessarily destroying anything. They're, they're just not pooping on things. No. Um, so do I just let it? Be I let it. Let it until they fledge. It and they look like you said they can flap their wings. So they're probably within a week they'll be gone. I would okay. guess. Okay. So I'll let it go for a week and then I'll deal with it then. Yeah. Okay. And and we had a situation with our youngest dog who is not from the seeing eye. He's a rescue and he's a terrier and they're hunters. And the first year we had him. In May, he got two birds in our yard when they were fledging still. And they could, they came into the yard and he saw them and killed them because that's what, what they, they do. do. And then after that, we put up this little fencing around our beds for a better, you know, lack of a better word. And that allowed them to get out of the lawn and get someplace where he couldn't get to them. So got that it. has helped. But yeah, it's a little traumatic to, you know witness something dying yeah no i know the hands of your dog uh, absolutely especially so, so little yeah i know you feel terrible never but. had a chance no and that's why i'm trying to make sure these birds yeah survive. I, I would say it's not going to be low if they're that they're kind of like they look pretty fluffy and their yeah. feathers are get yeah and if they're flapping their wings right it won't be long okay so and then you know, we'll do a we'll wait and, it out and uh yeah and if you and if you've now the door is closed right I closed the door. I re. I, and yeah. I took the tape off. So the, so cats can't get in or raccoons no, to kill them. That was my biggest issue. Yeah. So I saw this hole in the vent about two months ago, and that day I went to Home Depot to buy the a new vent. They didn't have the size I needed, of course not. And then 
I forgot. I'm not going to lie. I just sure. forgot. And every day, and the last few times I've gone in the show, I'm like, I got to go get that vent somewhere. And I, and I was worried mostly about raccoons getting in because that's the last thing I need is raccoons in the shed. Then we really have a problem. Yes. And then, of course, yesterday I found the birds. And, and it's so it's a wood floor. Is it wood side or aluminum side? Wood. And it does it have shingles on the roof? Yes, that need to you be do. replaced. How about this? The shed roof needs to be replaced. I got two estimates. One guy wanted forty four hundred dollars. Oh my god! I and was going to say four hundred. No, no. So remember, it's big. Yeah. And then a guy I really trust who has done really well by me, even even he said three grand. Wow. The price of lumber, which has come down. Oh, because the roof is going to be replaced, dude. Not yeah. Oh the yeah. The roof, oh no, no, the roof has to be replaced. Okay. The roof and the shingles got to be replaced. I'm looking at three thousand yeah. dollars to replace a shed roof. You yeah, got to be kidding me. And because it's a shed, you know, if I was even a little more handy, that might be something I might try to teach myself to I do because it's about not your house. It. Okay. You know? so, so I thought about doing it. Mm -hmm. There are YouTube videos that make it look easy. Sure. You know, it's not, this is not building a house. Right. It's basically, get, the problem I have is I'm worried because I I don't like heights. I'm worried about falling. Yeah. I, I don't know what I'm doing. Right, because everything is going to be up in the air. Yeah. yeah all the work. Now, yes. how? what is it? Is it 10 foot off the ground? Is it 10 foot high shed? Or in the middle? Is it even higher than um, that? At the tip where the where the two yeah. planks meet, it's it might even be 12 feet. It's mm. high. Yeah. yeah. It's a big enough, shed. Enough to hurt yourself Yeah. if you fell. Yes, it's enough yeah. to break, uh, break also, your neck. It would take you. It would take you a week. Yeah, it's not worth it. Yeah, no. So no. I will have. Unfortunately, that was next on the list, and it was going to be done uh, the week I was away in Texas. But air up. conditioning. But the seven thousand dollars on a new yeah. air conditioning unit. Yeah. Stunted that. Sure. So now I'm dealing with a leaky roof that needs to be replaced. That is going to have to. I'm going to tarp it in August or in September rather for the winter, and right. he's going to do it first thing in like March. The first nice day in March. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's just, dude. Oh, it never ends. This home ownership yeah. is the worst quote-unquote investment I've ever seen. Yeah. It is insane how much money I've put into a house that was in good shape. Yes. Yeah, I know. I I, I understand. Oh, I said to Kim, I'm like, you watch. The next is going to be the roof, which is going to cost $15,000. Yeah. And that I can't let it leak. No. So, anyhow. No. And then I came across this, which I, I found fascinating. I, we were joking about the baskets. And I know you've listened to the podcast. I've had this basket idea yes. for a long time. One idea that I've had for a very long time, too, would be for a show, whether it was a YouTube show or a broadcast show. And I've always said I would find it fascinating to take a dart and throw it at the map of the United States. Yes, I've, I've heard you okay. talk about this. I remember And then this. once you hit that town that you're in, now you, you give it another map with that town hit a dart and a block, and then, bam, you go to the people's house. You surprise them. You offer them ten grand. we are staying with you for three days just to see what your life is right? unexpectedly. Yes. Uninvited. The, the random American. Yeah. So I came across this guy today on YouTube, this Pete's – now that I'm a subscriber, I'm sure they do it on all computers, but mm -hmm. I guess when I'm a subscriber as well, they really look at what you watch and give you – I mean, the suggestions are phenomenal. This guy's name is Pete Centinella. And he has 1.8 million subscribers. How I haven't come across him before, I don't know. And what he does is he tries to show you America the way it is as opposed to its 
way it's portrayed on TV and on the news. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. So the video today that I saw was from, I don't even know if it was this week or last week. His goal was to go to the poorest community in West Virginia. Why he chose West Virginia, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So he ends up, I forget the name of the town. He went to three towns in this community. They were big coal mining towns that 20 years ago were thriving, well-populated, and now it looks like the end of the world. And I'm watching it, and it's kind of not, that's not my idea, but a little bit in where you get an insight as to how people live. And he doesn't follow people around, but he knocks on doors, he talks to people, interviews them. And some of the stories are incredibly sad. Yeah. And it makes you think, we have our day-to-day life and living. I've always said this to Al, too. The, the world that is out there in our own country is mesmerizing to me. Yeah. Yeah, you're talking about that Appalachia has been... that. Yeah, that's where yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, uh, that's been, you know, historically poor for a century or more. It's, yeah, it's just not a very depressed area economically, for yeah. sure. And then you sit there and think about how the average income, he said, in the one specific town he was at, the average income was $24,000. Yeah, I believe it. And I sit there and think about, we spend $24,000 commuting to come to work. <laughs> uh, Not that much, but you get my... Well, yeah, well, you know what I'm saying. until congestion pricing. It's just, I don't know. I wonder how, and I guess because they can't, why they wouldn't look for better or look to get out or move somewhere else. Mm. Well, it's their home and, you know, the family, what have you, or just... You know, maybe they don't really have the ability. Maybe they don't have a marketable skill and they just are stuck or think they're stuck, which is the same thing. It is the same thing. I mean, you've also got this new world of, you know, online. You can train yourself to do things. Mm -hmm. And I know it's always weird to me, too, when I see people living in these just terrible conditions and a home that looks like it's run down so poorly and yet they're driving a $40,000 truck. And have a cell phone. And a satellite on the roof. Yeah. Or, you know, like DirecTV or something like that. It's, um, it's I don't know. I, it's it's sad to me, and it it captures me, too. For sure, yeah. He's also got one, which I started watching, um, but I don't have time at work. I want to do it at home. On uh, He goes and explores the Amish. Ah, yes. That's fascinating to me, too. Think about that life. Yeah, I know. You know have you ever been there? Uh, I've been in, I've not been to a, an Amish town. I've been around that area and I actually bought, uh, our dining room table is, uh, from Mennonites, which is not the same as Amish, but similar. And yeah, I've, so I've been around that Pennsylvania Dutch, uh, area and, and you see horse and buggy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's just, so, it feels so backwards and yet so peaceful at the same time. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And yeah, they just have that, you know, I guess they don't use any technology or anything beyond horses and mills and, you know, whatever they use to, to do their work to feed themselves and to make things to sell, I guess, is what how they get by. But yeah. And that's all for because of their belief system which is within the so the amish is it's religious yes is where the beliefs come from yeah well it's it's a branch of christianity uh i believe and they just are choose to stay 
how in whatever like they stopped advancing technologically and you know i guess it was maybe in the 1800s or what have you they don't use anything beyond that i'm not 100 percent clear on that but i do know that they have when their children come of age they send them out and they go i think it's called rumspringa or something like that where they want them to go into cities and experience the world and like sort of go crazy for a bit and most of them do return to the amish life after really that. yeah i forget what it's got rumspringa something like that uh is called that that period that wilding time if you will huh but yeah it's almost yeah. like they're sending them to the frat house for yes, a correct. little while. And but I think it's like eighty percent or more choose to come back after they go out and Do they have let me ask you this, do they have the option to come back? Or are they told that go get this out of your system and then get back here and start working the farm? No, they have the option to not come back for sure. But then are you cut off? Yes. See that's okay, that's the problem right there. Yeah. Yeah. You want to be cut off from your mom and your dad and your brothers and sisters. Right, and everyone you know and everyone you've ever known your whole life to that point. Or you get out there, I guess for a small percentage, you're like, the hell with this, you know, this uh, horse and buggy stuff. Look this at the car. A, yeah. It is fascinating. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. That's a trip I would like at some point I would like to see. Mm. I don't know if I ever will do it because it's not that far, but um, it is uh, – yeah, it is slightly interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? I guess that's probably it. Anything from you today? Um, now I'm out no, tomorrow. You're out tomorrow. I'm out tomorrow. And then where are you going when you when when you do go on the vacation? I'm in going a week to and a half? Houston. I'm going to oh, Houston, um, Galveston Beach, right? Which is about a half hour from Houston, right? Uh, I'm going there for four days, and then we're going to Arlington for a couple of days. Are you going to do any interest in seeing the uh, the uh, space center down there? Maybe. Yeah, I mean. I wish it was, yes, I would say it's very possible we will do that. Um, we're only in Arlington a couple of days, but one of them is a wide open day. That would have been a perfect day to do that, but we're not going to be in Houston that day. So we very well might. I've got a, I wanted to go to a rodeo and yeah, neither my wife or kids down, have right? any interest. So I need to come up with something. We're going to the uh, Rangers game on Friday night. I need to come up with something on Saturday. Oh, so you're, you're doing... The Dallas area and the Houston area. Yeah, we're going. We're flying into Houston and then driving a half hour to Galveston. We have a hotel right on the right. beach, um, so we'll be three, four days there. We're going to go. Think what? the Space Center is in between Houston and Galveston. I think. Okay, very cool. So we're going to do an Astros game on Tuesday night. Astros and I don't remember who they're playing, but the Astros are playing Tuesday night, and the, I may be the Brewers. I think, and then Friday night we're going to Rangers Marlins. And then Saturday's a wide open day. It's really the one day that we don't have anything planned, mm-hmm. and then we fly home on Sunday. So I need to come up with something for that Saturday. And as I mentioned when I heard you were going to Galveston, the Oleander capital of the uh, of the world. And Oleander is what again? It's Soap? like a uh, it? it's a, like a flowering shrub. A flowering shrub. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't interest me. Yeah, no. I, I might go. There are the people in Galveston, like one of these home remodeling shows. I forget their names, but they remodel and flip houses and old houses from Galveston. I'd love to go find one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's actually a pretty good show. They do uh, they do good work. And are you familiar with the Glenn Campbell hit Galveston? No, not? I'm not. Okay. 
You familiar with Glenn Campbell? Nope. Okay. Rhinestone sure Cowboy. Oh, I know a, that song. Sure. Yeah. He also had a song called Galveston. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Probably not going to listen to it. But. All right. And the Wichita Lineman also. Who are they? No, no, that no. Was that song. was another song. Yeah, I, I a, might know it, but I, I don't know. It's like an early cross, more country, but sort of a little bit of a crossover guy. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right, well, you enjoy yourself. Thank you for doing this. Okay. Uh, are you going to do the podcast tomorrow? Uh, post game? Yeah. Uh, no, I think uh, without you or Al, okay. we'll just, we're just going to post the uh, the warm-up. Okay. Which uh, hopefully CeeLo people are like it with C-Mac and CeeLo. And, uh, yeah, I don't think... Or if it's got neither Al nor Jerry, I don't think... Uh, no need to waste your time. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Then I will uh, I will be back on Friday morning. Okay. That's it. So, This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Speak your mind at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Good morning, campers. Alan Jerry. Don't worry, it's only an hour long, and most days it doesn't suck. Right, here we go, Wednesday morning. What do you say we do this? The Eddie Scazzari. What is up? Nice to see you. And across from me is a blank chair, because Al is on vacation. Al watching sports this week, sort of. Uh, I did see him post at some point yesterday that he is watching the quarterback documentary, and it does sound like to me he is about as unimpressed is not the right word not as engaged in it as i think a lot of people thought we would be it's kind of it's okay it's good it's fine it's not the greatest thing in the world but uh, i think his quote was something along the lines of uh, not as uh, patrick mahomes not as likable as he thought kirk cousins more likable marcus mariota boring yeah pretty much i mean that's pretty much the series it is neat good footage but whatever so he will be back uh, on monday as his um second of eight vacation weeks this summer uh, will come to an end on friday you know, I really thought uh, last night as I'm watching the baseball and I'm watching everything uh, unfold with the Mets uh, and, of course, then the Yankees last night that that we would do probably the full hour on how the Yankees all of a sudden suck, the Mets 
won, but you don't feel great about it. Although I will tell you at the end of the day, they won, you move on. You know, it's a win is a win. It's Major League Baseball, whatever. But I understand the theory that, you know what, you kind of walk away from it not feeling as good as you should. Second straight win, almost gave it away, almost the keyword there. I really thought that this first segment would be all about baseball, and it will be, and we will do that. And by the way, four calls. That's right, four calls coming up after the break, 877-337-6666 on whatever you want to talk about. The one thing I didn't think we would discuss would be Saquon Barkley. Why would we? We know what's going on. The franchise tag, he's not happy, blah, 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 blah. He's going to be there. It is what it is. He's going to get his $10 million, not what it should be. Uh, but but Saquon Barkley will be there opening the opening Sunday for the Giants. I'm not so sure anymore, and I'll tell you why. So I come in this morning, and I heard a passing reference by either McMonagle or Marco about Barkley being on some podcast and discussing this. And by the way, as open as I think I have ever heard, I mean, he's a pretty open guy, but he was really getting uh, in-depth into the negotiations with the Giants, what the tag means about being and wanting to be the highest-paid running back um, on a podcast called the, the Money Matters Podcast. So I decided to come in, and instead of get to all the baseball stuff, I said, you know what, let me go find the podcast if I can. I didn't find the entire podcast, but I did find a lot of clips of it. And I don't mean eight-second clips where words can be twisted. I mean like two-minute clips where what he is discussing is everything that you need to hear in context of what he is talking about. So I'm going to play a couple. I'm going to play them throughout the course of the morning with Boomer and Geo, of course. Now, this... This podcast, I believe, was recorded on July 12th. Today's July 19th, so it's exactly a week ago. In the middle, he gets tagged. He does not come to an agreement. So I really do think a lot of what I'm about to play holds up post-tag, which I don't think he signed yet. So the first one is, this is his. This is where he discusses the possibility, which I never thought was possible, that he could sit out and that it has crossed his mind. Here is Barkley. My leverage is, I can say F- you to the Giants. I can say F- to my teammates and be like, you want me to show you my worth? You want to show you how much how valuable I am to the team? I won't show up. I right. won't play it down. All right. So he goes on to say, but I really I don't want to do that. Like he he says it's not me. That's not that's not what I do. Um, and so all right, I'm watching it, thinking, yeah, of course, exactly. But then he actually does question it. Am I willing? Am I prepared to take it to the level? I don't know. And then he would go on and talk about how he will confide in others and blah, 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 blah. But where it really gets concerning to me is where he talks about the respect factor and clearly making $10 million next year and likely being tagged the year after that. That's going to be an issue. If the best back was getting paid $13 million and I want to be, the, I believe I'm the best back in the NFL, like I should get 15 all hypothetical situation. Obviously, that's not even the case what it is. I should get 15. And hypothetical, but you get the point he's trying to make. You know, Christian McCaffrey's making 16. We know that. So I don't know, listening to this and watching, and there's more of it, and like I said, I will play it throughout the course of the morning. For the first time, I sat here with G on Monday and Tuesday, and I said, he's not sitting out. I, and not even for a second did I think he would, because the thought is, like, what does he gain from that? I will tell you, not only listening to it, but watching him, you can see the frustration on his face, and you can hear it. And as you continue to watch and listen, it has become evident to me that it's a real possibility. And so now you think of that 
And what the Giants did last year, and what a huge part that he is to that team and to the success of the quarterback, if he actually held out. So let's let's play this out. I gave I gave the Emmett Smith reference yesterday. When Emmett Smith held out, I should have went back and looked. I think it was 93, but I'm not sure. Maybe it was 95. I don't remember. He held out the first two weeks. The Cowboys lost the first two games. And I remember Jerry Jones was like, oh, hell no, we're not doing this. Sign the guy. And he got the contract he wanted. The Cowboys went on to win the Super Bowl that year. I think they were the first team to start 0-2 that won the Super Bowl. The Giants are coming off finally a good season. You've got the GM. You've got the head coach in place. You've got the quarterback locked up and paid. He played really well last year. Uh, If not the fewest turnovers by a quarterback, he was top two or three. That's how good he was protecting the ball. Some real good quality wins last season. And a playoff berth. The Giants want to take the next step. They just paid the quarterback. They're starting to feel success. They go into they go into training camp, rookies uh, yesterday, the veterans next week, all positive except for the fact that your arguable arguably your best player is not going to be there. What I am now convinced of is that Saquon Barkley is not going to report to training camp next week. I wasn't so sure of that either the other day. Now I don't think there's a chance in hell he shows up for training camp, at least not in the beginning. Now I think there's a chance he's not there for much of training camp, and now I think he sits out. Does that mean he sits out the season? I don't know. But I will tell you, if Saquon Barkley, listening to that and knowing and hearing from him that he is genuinely disappointed with the situation, and that's probably a pretty good word to use, and he sits out and the Giants get out to an 0-3 start, and the quarterback's not all that great, not performing like he did last year, and the next guy up, because apparently we always talk about next man up, the next man up isn't Saquon Barkley. That puts the Giants in a hell of a spot, doesn't it? And I'm not saying they're a Super Bowl team. I think they're a good team, like they were last year. Could they be a playoff team again? Yeah, I think if you're a fan, you you expect them to be a playoff team again next year. But if you take their best player off the field, one of two things is going to happen. Well, I guess one of three things. One of three things could happen. They could just kind of muddle along, win a game, lose a game, eh, whatever. You don't really feel the impact of Barkley not being there, but you feel like it could be better. That helps nobody. They could get out to a bad start to where the Giants panic and say, get this guy on the field and give him something better and give him a deal he'll agree to. Or scenario number three, which would be a devastating blow for Saquon Barkley. Maybe the running back position is overvalued. Maybe the next guy up does good enough and they're winning games to where while he might be their best player and while he might be the best running back in the NFL, maybe, just maybe, because it's a passing league now, maybe it doesn't matter as much. This is a dangerous game if you're Saquon Barkley. He also said, again, I'll play it in a little while, Um, He also talked about the fact that the Giants did offer him a contract extension during the bye week, but he decided to bet on himself because he was having a great season. He felt great. And damn it, he went on and did great things. He had a great season last year. I think it was 1,800 combined yards. Was it 1,300 on the ground and another four or 500 receiving or 400 receiving, something like that. But what if? Like, those are your scenarios. Saquon said he is going to talk to his family, 
He is going to talk to his teammates and those close to him to try and figure out what the best course of action is for him. And he knows the best course of action for him with the Giants is to be on the field. But this is about business and respect and getting what he feels like he deserves. And quite frankly, I agree with him. I think he deserves it. The whole setup of the league and the contract in this position sucks. The problem you have is the players agreed to it. Now, whether they knew what they were signing, don't know. At the end of the day, they signed off on it. And that's the bad position he's in, playing a position that all of a sudden doesn't get receiver money. Hell, doesn't even get left tackle money. And sure as hell doesn't get quarterback money. So this is a this is some poker game. He's got to make a decision what he wants to do. But I will tell you this. I believe that if Saquon Barkley is not there week one with the Giants or week two or week three, I think their season could be over before it starts. I am not a believer that all running backs are created equal. I do not believe that next man up is always as good as the last man. Because if that is the case, then why in the hell do we ever give out big contracts if the next guy can do it just as good as this guy? I do believe there's a difference with Saquon Barkley on the field as opposed to anybody else that the Giants currently have on the roster right now. Now, I'm not saying you couldn't go out and find somebody. Dalvin Cook's out there. I'm not saying that there aren't others that could do the job. But as I look at this roster right now, if I'm a Giant fan... I want Saquon Barkley on the field. He gives me what I believe is their best chance to win and win a lot. Now, they're not a 15-win team, but there's no reason that with Barkley that this giant team can't win. What did they go, 9-8 and last year? And probably should have been better than that towards the end. Kind of got away from them a little bit. But they went 9-8. and And I just mean the last week, if I remember correctly. But are they a 10-win team? Yeah, they should be. They absolutely should be. He sits out the first month of the season. Good luck with your season. Because next man up is not always as good as the man down. I'll just say that. Um, Quickly on the baseball. And then again, four calls. We take four calls. Al is out, so here's your chance. 877-337-6666. It can be on Barkley. It can be on the Yankees. It can be on the Mets. It can be on the show. It can be whatever you want. I, I don't care. Four calls next segment. Um, I'll, man, I'll do some of the Mets next segment too. Just on the Yankees, really quick. Uh, you know, you can talk about Aaron Boone. You can talk about Brian Cashman. You can do all of that, I, and I am not going to argue with you because at this point, this team without Judge in the last—I mean, they're just losing series after series after series. They look ter- like they look like a bad team now. I always said they were keeping their head above water when I was here with Sal last week you know, or two weeks ago, whatever it was, it felt like a team that was kind of keeping the ship straight and that if we could get Judge back, you never know. And I'm going to go back to that third game in Baltimore. They took the first two. They were making moves up the standings for the wild card race. And then they drop game three. They lose game four. And from that point forward, this team has been a losing team. What is it? Seven of nine now? Does that sound right? I mean, my God, they can't hit. They're boring. I mean, two hits last night. They have made the last two pitchers for the Angels look like Cy Young and Doc Gooden in his heyday. I mean, you got to be kidding me. The amount of strikeouts the other night was insane. 
And then last night, they get two hits. Two hits. Two. And you got Stanton and Rizzo. And I don't want to hear about Volpe. I don't want to hear about Peraza. I don't want to hear about uh, IKF. None of these guys. You want to lay some blame? Lay some damn blame at your big ticket items. John Carlos Stanton's a stiff right now. And I don't get it. I really don't. I know for his career, he's been a big home run strikeout guy. I understand. He's turned into Joey Gallo. I mean, holy crap. Now he didn't strike out last night. I give you that. that that's fine. But another 0 for, 0 for 4, 0 for 5 the last night. Rizzo 0 for 5, 0 for 4 last night. The two of them in these two games are a combined, what is it, 0 for 18? 0 for 18 out of the two guys that you need to help carry the weight with Aaron Judge out and might be out until God knows when. I know he took batting practice the other day, but have you heard positive news in terms of him coming back today or next week or the week after that? He might be, but who the hell knows? And your two guys that you rely on, that you need to carry the offensive load, have done nothing. Ungats, nothing. I mean, it is just pathetic. Yeah, once in a while, Stanton will take that, that fly swatter out and hit one 600 feet. Great. You know what he does in between that? Nothing. Zilch, zero. That's what he's become, a zero. I joked with G yesterday, would you trade Stanton for Scherzer? He said yes. And I'm not even sure I wouldn't do that because you know it's there. But my God, what the hell has happened? And Rizzo hasn't hit a home run since 2020, uh, since 2015. I mean, holy crap, it's May. The last time he hit a home run, we hadn't hit Memorial Day weekend. It is July 19th, and Anthony Rizzo has gone homerless in that stretch. And his average is in the 240s now. Stanton's under 200. Oh, my God. I mean, just awful. And so now if you're Brian Cashman, what in the hell do you do with the trade deadline? It's not like they're... 17 games out. It's not like they're the Mets and eight games out in the wild card race. They're two games out. But right now, they are trending in a bad direction, a really bad direction. And we talked about the Mets in June. Be careful because sometimes when things turn and spiral, they spiral out of control. We saw it with the Mets. They couldn't get out of their own way. June ruined their season. Now they're 8-4 and in their last 12. So I'll give them a heartbeat. That's it. I'll give them a little bit of a heartbeat because they have played 600 baseball in their last, what is it, last 12 games? They're 8-4, and four, something like that. I think that's what it is, 8-4 and four in their last 12. They need to continue that to be taken seriously. But June killed them. If the Yankees continue to go down this path of lose two out of three, lose two out of three, hell, get swept tonight. I don't know. Things can spiral really quickly. And while the Mets are eight out, I don't look at the teams above. I know there's a there's a handful of teams above them. I don't look at that as eh. Those teams are okay. The teams above the Yankees are good. They've got to start taking care of business, and it has to start tonight. The problem is I don't know if they're capable of it as currently constituted, and that's a big problem. I will take a break when we come back. Four calls or one, two, three, whatever, but no more than four. Uh, no more than four. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Uh, it is Al and Jerry, the warm-up show. Without Al, he'll be back on Monday. We take it to 6 o'clock. Boomer and Geo then on the fan.
Wednesday, it's 525. Hello, hello, hello. Four calls, four calls, four calls. Whatever you want to talk about. Saquon, the Yankees, the Mets, or whatever you want. Uh, Alan Jerry till 6 o'clock. So we start things off with Justin in Queens. Justin, you are the first of the four callers this morning. Good morning, Justin. Good morning. Hello. Oh, hello. What's going on, man? <laughs> Listen, you know who can fix this Saquon problem? Daniel Jones. Why this man can't walk in the office and take $38 million, $37 million <laughs> and pull a Tom Brady and give his buddy that he's playing catch with in the park his $14 million is beyond me. Daniel Jones doesn't deserve $41 million. We all know that. And I don't, I don't understand why they can't just fix this problem right now. It's, you know, it's funny you say that, Justin, because there have been so many times we have referenced um, quarterbacks making so much more than everybody else, especially the ones that that don't deserve it, that are on not good teams. Um, and Daniel Jones played really well last year. There's no question about it. He, he played outstanding, didn't turn the ball over. But when you bring up the Tom Brady thing, I agree with you. And I, I understand what Boomer always talks about, about having to set the market and reset the market and all of that. When you've got a case like this, now I don't know the rules and I don't know how – um, how it would play itself out. But if that was indeed the case and allowed and you could do what Brady did back in the day by not taking the max amount that a quarterback could get, I'm with you. Whether you're making 40 or 37, what the hell difference does it make, honestly? And yeah, I- there's no big difference, Jerry. I mean, they could, they could settle it. If it's allowed, like you said, they could settle it. Everyone could be happy. Go to week one, and let's get this season started. Thanks, yeah, Jerry. I agree. Yeah, you got it, Justin. I completely agree. Because you'd be looking at a season that is that could go sideways very quickly. I do believe that. And like I said, until I listened and watched that those clips, and again, good extended clips, like two, three-minute clips, it wasn't just like eight seconds and you're trying to figure out what the question was and where he was going. When they posted these clips, they did a really good job of leaving in Barkley's entire thought process and where he was going. Like, there there are some, for instance, I could have clipped and stopped and made him sound really bad. I mean, you could have done that. And they could have released those clips to maybe get more clicks. They did a really good job of, of playing it out and getting his full thought process on what he's thinking. And you can tell the internal struggle that he's having with this. And again, that comes from not just listening, but also watching him as he was trying to put the words together and, you know, come up with a coherent thought that had some, I would say, I don't want to say thought behind it, because you can tell he's done that, but also some foresight, like trying to read into what this could be for the team. Like when he says, do I really want to bleep my teammates? Like you can see he's struggling with that. Like he wants to be out there. He wants to play football. He wants to go win for the Giants. But then there's that other part of him that says, this just isn't right. And that's where the struggle comes from. Simon in New Haven, Connecticut. Good morning, Simon. How are you? Uh, terrible. We have got to get rid of Boone. We have got to get rid of this man and this hitting coach we got. This new hitting coach is supposed <laughs> to work miracles. The same garbage. Come on. <laughs> well, that goes to the fact that hitting coaches don't really make that much of an impact anyway. I mean, they, that that is a move for move's sake, in my opinion. Now, I'm not saying that Sean Casey might not have a couple of different thoughts, and, and maybe he gets the guys to relax a little bit. But so far, only a handful of games. We're not going to get crazy. 
So far, I would say the approach that you've seen at the plate, lacking a little bit, just a little bit. And the Boone thing, I don't know. I, I, I am not going to sit here and bury Aaron Boone. I'm just not. Because I don't know in today's day and age of baseball, I really mean this, I don't know how much it matters from the standpoint of what you're putting out on the field. Now, you want to tell me, here's where I think a manager really matters. This is what I think. He's got to make the pitching decisions in-game. And if he's going to pinch hit for somebody, okay? We agree. Those things happen on the fly. Managers got to be thinking an inning or two ahead at all times. Um, and I don't I don't know that it goes further than that in-game. The biggest thing I really believe a manager has to do is have the attention in the room. He's got to have the respect of the players, and the players have got to listen to him. And I think he's done a good job of that. Man, you know, we always talk about Joe Torre and how great he was. And I love Joe Torre. I did because I thought Joe Torre was a calming influence on a collection of absolute superstars. And he kept that locker room insulated and together for the most part. Yes, there were issues from here to here, which we've seen in some of these documentaries. But Torrey did a really good job of not allowing a lot of that to escape and kind of cutting things off before they got and went too far. You can make every case that Joe Torrey's greatest attribute of being a manager with the Yankees was the way he handled those men. I think Boone does a good job of that. I think Boone goes out there and fights for his guys. Hell, I think he leads the league in ejections because he is fighting for his team. And I think that's that comes across well-respected by the guys. The lineup, I, I don't know. I mean, all you hear is collaboration, collaboration, collaboration. I don't know how much the analytics plays into it, but all we hear is that it's an analytical game now and matchups are basically given to him. I don't know about roster construction, how much he has to do with it. I, I think it's all Brian Cashman and his team that are under him doing the job, the scouts. I think Brian Cashman, Aaron Boone is basically given a team and he's got to go deal with it. And he is essentially given what is probably a suggested lineup and he probably rolls with it. So I'm not going, I'm just not going there. I don't, they, he has won a lot of games. And how about this thought, just for poops and giggles? How about this thought? For all these bad playoff series that they've had and haven't gotten to the World Series, wouldn't it be nice just once for the guys that are making a fortune to go out and perform like it? I don't know. Just a thought. Pretty sure back in the day when Aaron Boone hit a big home run to beat the Red Sox, he wasn't the highest-paid player on the Yankees. Wouldn't it be nice if one of the highest-paid players actually played like one of the highest-paid players in October? Just a thought. John in Montvale. What's up, John? Good morning. Good morning, sir. What's up? Oh, Tony, from the bat flip from the other day to uh, tie the ball game up. It was very excited, but do you think it was a showboat for the Yankees if he should should have been hit a next day or not? No, I mean, you, I mean, you you could. I that to me, here I always say this: you want a bat flip after a big home run, that's awesome. I, I, good for you. I would tell the pitcher, get him out. You know, like to me, you want a bat flip, bat flip. But to your point, if they do hit you next time. Eh. You kind of have to expect it. I would not have. You're in their stadium. The place is jacked up. Um, the bat flip to me is something. Remember we always talk about uh, baseball becoming more fun? I actually have no issue with that. 
Is it showing up the pitcher? Maybe. I think trotting around the bases very slowly shows up the pitcher more than the bat flip does. Quite frankly, the only reason we see the bat flip is because TV replays it. Most people follow the track of the ball and don't see the bat flip. But no, I I would not have done that. Absolutely not. Eddie in Rockland, you're the fourth of our four callers. Good morning, Eddie. Hey, Recco, what's happening, man? I'm good. How are you? All right. On the Saquon thing, you know, these are uh, the the... Well, the agents should have uh, more of a uh, negotiation because, you know, they said they uh, offered Barkley a contract midseason last year. He confirmed that's that, too, yes. Right. When, when they, they were having a great season last year, that's when he should have did his holdout because you have more power if you're holding out the last four games of a good playoff run season than the starting of the next season. And I can't believe that they're not arguing about the length of years, just a couple of million on the two-year deal. If I was Barkley, I'd be complaining that I'm not getting three or four years offered. I'll tell you this, Eddie. Just real quick on your point about um, you know walking off the field and not playing at the end last year. Watching him in this video, in this podcast, no chance he would do that. And you're right. That probably would have made a big impact. There's no way that he was having a good season, the team was having such a good season, he was going to leave that team behind. I, I just, maybe others would. Not him. It's not him. But, but all right, Jerry, but as as an agent, you should have known as the low ball offer midseason that you were going to end up here with the uh, with the franchise tag and being uh, some kind of being screwed in a way. Well, but let me that ask they- you this. So I'll ask you this question, because you brought up the agent being more involved. Barkley basically, not basically, he said that the Giants came to him during the bye week last year and offered him an extension. He said he only had three days to think about it, and he thought that they thought that he was just going to jump at it because they presented it in front of him. It was the bye week. Let's get this done and get it over with. And he decided to bet on himself and then shut it down. I always wonder when when they say, if we don't get a deal done before the start of the season or in this time frame, that I don't want to discuss it. But wh- I'm with you. Why can't the agent do more? And you know, have the client tell him exactly what he wants, go fight for it, and when you get it, if and when you get it, then present it to him. Is it really that big of a distraction if you ask him once or twice, do you like this or don't you like this? Because maybe right. something could have been done last year. And another uh, host say it's better that he's on the franchise. Not as a player going for a Super Bowl run, it's not. You want a player that's happy and that wants to be there and is not playing skittish, not worried about being hurt for his next contract. Well, I mean, but you know what, though, Eddie? That's pretty much the way he played last year, and he played his ass off. And I think it sounds like he's he's in a good place with the way he feels injury-wise, body-wise. I don't think he's going to go play scared or skittish this year, to the the word you used. I think he's going to go out there and play if he plays. Um, and he will give you a great performance because I think that's the type of player he is. Um, you're right, though. I mean, it's for him, it sucks. It's a one-year deal. He's guaranteed $10 million. That's it. And, yes, if he gets hurt, and God forbid it was an ACL again, that could be his career, and that could be the last bunch of paychecks he ever gets. I mean, that is the risk you take, and that is why he is, I think, seriously contemplating having to sit out. And I don't know for how long, and I don't know that he will. But I will tell you, to me, it is very clear it is on his mind. And it is now a very real possibility to where it was something I did not think was possible prior to this morning and watching that podcast. Amazing how things can flip and change when some of these guys give you just a little bit of insight into the way they think. And I don't know if he had a relationship with this guy or not, but he was very open 
in this podcast. more And more so than he was, remember back at his football camp in June, he talked, he definitely spoke, and he talked about how there's a lot of misinformation out there, but he wouldn't get too much into it. He gave this guy a lot, and in turn, gave us a lot. All right, quick break. When we come back, if Flegelman is done with the, with the booms, we will get him in for a third segment. We'll talk uh, some more baseball and Saquon Barkley. Um, we're done with your calls, but you can call Boomer and Geo. Their show begins at 6 right here on The Fan. All right, coming up at a quarter to six. Eddie, remind me in the podcast today. Uh, I have a bird situation now at home. We're going to discuss coming up later. That'll be in the podcast. Right now, joining me for this segment as we get to Boomer and Geo, coming up at six o'clock, we've got the Flegel Man. What's up, Mike? How are you? What's up, Jerry? Uh, I, you know, I don't know. Um, as the bird situation sounds scary. I have, a, I think, as I told you yesterday, no cable internet situation yes. at home or shaky cable and internet. So going in and out, and that's annoying, but. I think I might take that over whatever you're, knowing nothing, might no, take over whatever that is. No, it's not a big deal. It's just how I handle the birds. It's not my house. They're in the shed. But we'll, I'll get to that one day on the podcast. The whole, funny you bring up the cable thing real quick before we do the Mets and the Giants, Yankees, whatever, at this point. Um, so I'm yesterday, I'm a full cable subscriber. I feel like I know I'm on the, in the minority on this. I feel like cable is one of the best bargains going. And I know Al loses his mind when he talks about the price of cable. But when I look at the cable bill with the um, with the internet, which, by the way, if you only get internet, it costs you a fortune now. Uh, and then, not that we use it, but you have a phone too, whatever. Um, to me, 200 and I think we spend 224 a month, and I get like 9 million channels in every sport that I want. To me, I think it's a it's a great bargain. Oh, uh, I spend less than that. It works out. And what's lucky for me this week, the live cable is not working. So Mets Yankees live wouldn't be able to do it for whatever reason. DVRing the games, yeah, watching them at one and two o'clock in the morning comes in perfectly. That's great. So it worked out for me yesterday in a way I did not expect. That when I'm ticked off and furious at three four o'clock, ended up being great in the middle of the night. Not too bad. Now I say two twenty four. That's everything. That's the internet, the cable, and the phone. But whatever. My point is. Yesterday, I was fooling around with the Roku channel that we have. I did not realize how much free programming is out there and live programming, which blew me away, number one. The, and I'm sitting like, you know what? Maybe I get rid of cable. But then I come back to the same problem. I can't watch the Mets. I guess the Yankees have a direct-to-consumer now. Yes, right? The Yes app. Yeah, but it costs, I mean, if you again, if you're going to pay for multiple. I, I know that. Right. It, but I'm saying, like, can't that's, get it, that's yes. the one thing that is still, like, I don't think I can get MSG without a cable subscription. Like, I can't watch the Knicks or the Devils or the Rain. That's a problem. So anytime I sit there, I'm like, oh, this is actually pretty good, which it is. Not good enough. Anyway, um, I said real quick, because I didn't do much on the Mets at all, and I don't know with where they are in the standings. They're worth all that much time. However. They are eight and four in their last twelve. That damn four-game losing streak. If they just go two and two in those games, I think we're talking differently about them today. But you know, last night for all the for all the games, they give you nothing. Like the weekend, they don't hit. You know, last night was. Fu- I know it got close, and I know you're probably grinding your teeth at the end. At the end of the day, they put up eleven runs. They win the game. Alvarez looks great. Beatty hits the home run. You, the new guy hits the home run. I think, you know, a fun game, fun game. And, and Listen, it was, and I, like I heard you say in the first segment, you don't apologize for wins. It's no. professional sport. Yes, was it nerve-wracking? Did they almost yes. blow it? Sure. But there's also all those games, you know, when you lose a game like that where it's nerve-wracking, it's up and down, whatever, that counts as one loss. This counts as one win the same way they've been losing too many of those back and forth or could go either way games this year. So 
always good to take one, move on. It's a win in the win column. I agree. And then, and like I said, a lot of good signs in that game. Like this Carlos Carrasco. Uh, can the guy get through five innings? Honestly. I mean, they give you five runs in the first. And you got to give up the home run immediately. It's just, oh, whatever. Anyhow, they win the game. All good. I'm actually going to go tonight. I'm looking forward to going first trip. This year, first baseball game. How bad is really? that? Yes. That's very surprising because you're a big baseball fan. Have not had the time. Just haven't had the time. So I got this one, and then I got the Texas trip. We'll do a couple of games and maybe some more in August. We'll see. Um, you Did you hear any of the, the Saquon Barkley stuff? I did, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I am legit, I would legit be concerned now if I was a Giant fan that he might hold out, It's which so I never believed. Just because I, I, you know, going back to and again, at Penn State, I've been following Saquon yeah, since he was recruited there. Mm-hmm. He just does not seem like the type to sit out. I agree, and he said that. It, ju- it seems so antithetical to who he is, but, you know, the debate he's going to have to have with his agent, he said he's going to talk to his family, all that, is the $10 million I'll get now guaranteed this year playing on the franchise tag, is it worth it to risk an injury, and then that $10 million could be the last $10 million he ever sees, or is there a team out there next year if he goes the Le'Veon Bell route, if he sits out a year, could he get something similar? Now, Bell, I think, got 452 from the Jets. Is Saquon going to see anything like that? Is he going to get closer to the $20 million guaranteed he might want from a team in free agency if he sits out next year? And this is a guy who, for all intents and purposes, already has missed a year in his career when yes. he got hurt one year, week two or week three. Mm-hmm. As good as he is. I think it's just an awful situation what the running backs are dealing with right now. It's not fair to them. It's not right. I just don't know if Saquon can actually gain anything from sitting out. And I have to think there's between his want to be out there on the field with his teammates and playing the game he loves and somebody in his camp, they're going to get through to him. Hey, hold out, make the Giants sweat. But by week one, you have to be out there. Well, and that seems like that's what he's grappling with is do you actually do this? And like he said, do I screw over my teammates? And it's something he doesn't want to do, but also acknowledges it might. It's his only leverage is to not play. And this is where he talks about the whole situation with the running back. I can't even hit the free agent market for another two years because he could tag me twice. So if I do what I got to do this year, which I plan on doing, they could tag me again. All right, that's not the one I meant to play. But to his point, he's kind of stuck is what he's telling you. And the whole situation stinks. And it's, what, it's what they all deal with. And it's not right. It's, you know, for the system that... It, it, maybe it's not great for everybody, but it hits the running back in a way it the does hardest. not impact any other position. You know, wide receivers, quarterbacks, the tackles, like the Kirk quarterbacks. Cousins made a fortune with Washington right. playing on and the he, tag. Listen, twice. even I, we all have to. Quarterbacks are so different because of what the position is, but other you know the skill position players. You guys were having the conversation yesterday: wide receivers versus running backs. I think wide receivers make a bigger impact. Is the gap so wide that it justifies the mega contracts the wide receivers get? And the way running backs are treated, probably not. No, no, and that's the problem. Like the whole NFL game to me, and the way the salary structure is, is absurd. Because if Peyton Manning had a defense in Indianapolis, he might win five Super Bowls. But you know what? When you can't outscore every team, you can't win. And as great as he was, he won. I know he won the last one with Denver, but he won one lousy Super Bowl in Indianapolis when he had a machine of an offense. And made, and he was, I think he was the start of the super mega deals, if I remember correctly. For what? Like, yeah, they won a lot, 
But at the end of the day, they won one Super Bowl. If you don't have guys on defense to stop the other team, you're only as good as your offense can take you, and you can't outscore guys every week. And, oh, by the way, if the guys up front don't block for you, how'd that work out for Tom Brady in the Super Bowl when the Giants clobbered him? A perfect season and a perfect team got derailed because they didn't protect him. So, to me, all of it has to work. And I understand some guys are going to get paid more than others. But the disparity is, in my in my opinion, absolutely insane given how it works to win a football game or to win a championship. And, and it can't just be one group that suffers and takes the hit by themselves because this doesn't – I mean, yeah. there are other positions that, you know, maybe the inside linebacker is not as valued as it used to be or the safety, but nothing like what is happening to the running backs and how important they all are. You know, we've had the discussion. I think there's been an overcorrection. You know, running mm-hmm. back shouldn't be taken at the top of the draft. Dave Gettleman taking Saquon Barkley where he did was foolish just because in terms of how this works out with running backs long-term and their shelf life and how important they are to a team winning. But we've gone too far the other way because this is still a position that matters. You know, you might not be able to win with a superstar running back, but you also can't win with no running game. I agree. And I, well, who was it? Hmm. I forget which running back it was that basically said just get rid of the was it uh, Derek Henry? Henry. That's just get rid of the and running back. And then Austin Eckler, what he's doing, and this was with Zach Gelb when he says, you know, he couldn't find a trade and the Chargers don't want to pay him, but he can't find a trade because they want all these high picks back for him. So which one is it? Right. You know, if the Giants were to trade Saquon, yeah, we'd probably hear, all right, they want like, you know, a first and a second. Well, if you think the guy's worth all this, then pay but him. You, you can't pay him. There there has to be some kind of middle ground and something's going to happen down the road because there's too many running backs that are ticked off now where the players union and the league, they're going to have to come up with some kind of structure to protect this one position because they're all taking it. And they're still, they're still stars. You know, when you look at jerseys that fans buy and the guys who are the most notable players running backs, while they might not be as vital to team success, if you have a great running back and nothing else, you're not going to win, but they're still star players and they resonate in a way that not a lot of other positions do it's got to come back to the middle. It's an exciting somehow. position. That's why it yeah. always has been, always will be. Listen, there's still nothing more exciting when Saquon Barkley takes a handoff, makes a move, and then he's sprinting down the field by all the other 21 players on the field, yep. and he ran from behind all of them to now he's in front of all of them and on his way to the end zone. Now I, I know you're a big Barkley guy because of Penn State. I don't remember. Remind me with the draft. Had the Giants not taken him, how far would he have gone? There were questions about whether he would go in the top 10 because there were only that was the year, not maybe just with the running backs and how teams were starting to not value them. Remember that was a year where a lot of those teams were desperate for a quarterback, right? So there were teams that were going to take, and again, not that the quarterbacks, all of them deserve to be taken that high, but there were, you know, that was the, the draft with Chubb and Mm. Nelson is taken by the Colts. So there are positions that are not as flashy, not as exciting, but they're a little more integral to team success than the running backs are right now. You're seeing these teams that, you know, maybe take a guy end of the first round or especially the second round, they'll have those same kind of careers and you're able to get them. It's a little more financially affordable for the teams, but there still has running backs should not be devalued the way they are. These guys still deserve like the Joe Mixon nine, 10 to $12 million contracts a year. They deserve something. They shouldn't, you can't extend them until they're 30 years old. They're not going to have the legs for it. They deserve to get paid. I completely agree. All right, we take a quick break. When we come back, I see G standing by already, tanned and rested and ready to rock. Boomer's here as well. It is uh, Boomer and Geo coming up right at 6. Right now, it is an Odyssey Sports Minute. Amy Lawrence talking about all the offense in baseball last night. 
It's the dynamic duo of Al and Jerry, the superheroes of WFAN. All right, we got about a minute or so left. Uh, Boomer and Geo standing by. We've got a lot to get to today. So you've got all the Saquon Barkley audio that I will present to them uh, coming up at 6.30. We've got that. We've got uh, another miserable Yankee performance. Two hits. Two lousy hits in an entire baseball game again for the for the Yankees. Yes, I will play an Aaron Boone or two. I know G can't stand it, but he's getting annoyed. And when he gets annoyed, it's kind of fun. Uh, we do have a Met win. We'll get to that at some point, too. And then we've got uh, training camps are starting to pop open. we got the Jets reporting today. They have the August 3rd Hall of Fame game with the Brown. And before he comes in, real quick, when do we get the Bengal announcement? It was supposed to be last week? No, no, it's this week. Oh, it's this week now? Because we talked about this okay. last week. I thought it was supposed to be last week. But I, I'm assuming it's going to be either today, tomorrow. I mean, if it's... so, is it possible this breaks during the show? Because I feel like last year it happened during the show. Does that sound right, Eddie? Does that sound uh... right? That we got it, and he wasn't. He didn't make that first class, and we were pissed. I feel like it was. So maybe today we get that news. You too. get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. WFAN, WFAN FM, WFAN FM HD1, New York. Always live on the free Odyssey app.